Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost Arts. My name is Kay. And I'm Craig. And today, you know, we're somewhat celebrating a loss, but no, mourning a loss, celebrating a life. Um, yeah. Because, and this is, I guess, our entrance into the, by the time you're hearing this segment, but it was announced maybe a day or two ago. I think yesterday. Yeah, maybe yesterday, which was Monday, the... The seventh of, of June, twenty twenty one, that BuzzFeed Unsolved would be um, completing its final seasons. Yes, this year it's very bittersweet. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually messaging a friend on Instagram about it, and she saw my post and saw that they were announcing because I put it on my story and she saw that it was their final season. She's like, oh my God, like no way. I can't believe it's coming to an end. And I was like, honestly, like I had to sit back and think about that. I was like, yeah. Um, The show didn't start too long ago. It actually started in 2016. Yeah, like unofficially and then it like officially began. Like, yeah, like they weren't, I don't think quite calling it BuzzFeed Unsolved. Yeah. And it didn't have its like cast yeah. that we've come to know. And Everyone. also, it was just, like, originally, like, its own, like, it was, like, a YouTube channel. Like, it didn't become, like, a... It it was, like, did, yeah, it didn't have its own, the BuzzFeed Unsolved network that yeah. they moved to. Um, um, but I think what was so bittersweet about it is uh, when I was talking to her, I was like, yeah, actually, like, looking back, it really, like, rerun- as reruns as if it's on television. Like, rewatching it um, is what kind of got me through the pandemic and quarantine yeah. last year. I watched uh-huh. it pretty religiously along. Um, with listening to like true crime podcasts mm-hmm. and such so it really it was one of those staples that did bring me happiness in a time of you know mass confusion and just like being almost like this like displacement of everyone not understanding what's going on at the time and like just having to like suffice with what you had in the moment right in front of you yeah in a way uh ryan Bergara and shane bidet have become staples to yeah yeah. yes they're they're always there um i mean they're still they still are gonna be there like they have their own channel watcher entertainment yeah called watcher and they do some good stuff on there um i like their rating videos somewhat similar to kind of what we do here yeah where i remember like they did one about like chips fast food restaurants I think they did Christmas movies or holiday movies. I need to watch that one. That sounds good. That was it. Was a really enjoyable one. What I have to say though too about it is it's very again that word bittersweet because you're almost sad to see an end to this. But if anything, I'm more happy for them that mm-hmm. they started their own production and like are doing things on their own terms than rather than being under um, case of corporation like BuzzFeed. Yeah, I mean, a lot of we've seen a lot of people leave BuzzFeed over the past five ish years and Mm -hmm. go on to do their own stuff and just really flourish with that. And like they have flourished with Launcher, the Try Guys have flourished with their brand. Yeah. Sophia Nygaard. Um, What were those other two girls who have their own channel called Gabby and something? I know who you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just don't know the name. Exactly. Um, And it's. It's almost like a stepping stone for them. It was nice. It was it was what they needed in the moment. It's what helped start. And I know, like, wh- however they felt towards their old company, regardless of feelings, at the end of the day, they're thankful. You could like it's it's apparent that they're thankful that they had the opportunity to explore these things and then now p- 
push these boundaries and do things on their own. Yeah, like they were already pretty good at controlling what they wanted to do with BuzzFeed Unsolved. Yes. But I, I know that a lot of the reason other people left BuzzFeed, it wasn't really like a a, a payment thing because I think they were getting paid pretty well and they had pretty good benefits. But yeah. it was more so there were deadlines and so they'd have to push out content and have yeah, it out heard, earlier than they really wanted to. I've heard a lot of negative narratives um, mm-hmm. in terms of BuzzFeed. Even before a lot of these people yeah. left, I just remember hearing through through the through the, the grapevine, so to speak. Um, it's not the best thing. So Yeah, I think the, the it happens. BuzzFeed era is probably going to, like, I don't see them lasting well, throughout like, the next decade. I agree, because even when, like, I need to look it up during this episode if I, like, come across the chance to do it. I don't remember when the the company specifically like the the company itself started, but I remember it was long before a lot of this because I remember even being younger, like a teenager, and going on those BuzzFeed quizzes. Yeah, and I thought they were so fun. Today, there's no comparison. They're they're just there are some pretty good ones out there. There are some, but but again, those aren't made by the company. A lot of them are just made by people, and like you can make your own quizzes on BuzzFeed, and if they do popular, like you can get paid for them. But they the like uh, there was I remember there was a story about this girl. She was like fourteen or fifteen, and she was making all these popular quizzes on BuzzFeed, getting them so many clicks, getting them so much ad revenue. And they like sent her like gift cards, and like that's it. She was like, "Oh, I was so thankful." But like, if I were an employee, I'd be getting paid like five times that plus yeah, benefits. That's very much a problem. It was. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they're like, they're like, here's a gift card to your local Quiznos. It was like Amazon gift cards or something. Not now, Quiznos. <laughs> um, other news. Um, this is some music news. Lord is coming back. She is coming back. She's in full swing. L three is coming. It is summer. Solar power. That's solar power. She's going green. <laughs> she is. She's like climate change is an issue. I, I'm not ru- here in my ass. Are <laughs> here to. To solve it. Rumor has it her and Greta are collabing and they're going to save the world. Lisbon. <laughs> Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride, everyone. Lisbon. Um, other quick news is just I was watching, and we actually watched like a few minutes of it, the the championships for the, women's gymnastics. The Olympics, yeah. Um, and we watched some of Simone Biles. Of course. We watched some of Revolting Routine, I think. Yeah, it yeah. was really good. She's flawless. Everything she She's does. She's still the goat. How funny was it, though, that night? I was like, I'm, it was just so apparent. I'm like, wow, she has really nice skin. I wonder what her skincare routine yeah. is. And then we watched Jennifer's Body together, and on Hulu, an ad came up, and it was like a skincare company, and she was like the representative for that mm-hmm. company. And she's like, this is my routine. She is the moment. She is the moment. Again. She, she knew. God is a woman, and it's Simone Biles, and yeah. she came through to give me that skincare routine. Mm-hmm. So I thank you. Um, I'm very much looking forward to her dominating at the Olympics once again this As year. She um, I like star. that on her leotard, on the shoulder, it had the little goat. Yeah, the Swarovski crystals. That was very nice. Um, and we even yeah. talked about it, just like the um, the aspect of the Olympics. It's it's. Uh, can talk Olympics. It's okay. Out. When can you talk? Because every single episode never is. I can never talk. Prepare, babe. All I do is talk all day, so I can't talk. Um, no, but she, along with other Olympians and trainees, like you dedicate your life to this. Mm-hmm. Like this is 
Yeah, just any pro athlete. Yeah, any pro athlete, all the time and energy that goes into this one moment. It's so it's And some of them get paid big bucks for it. Yeah. Some of them do not. It's very the the stress, the pressure, because originally obviously this usually not all the time starts out as something that they love, like a passion project and then turns into more. Um they're then they become like a product to sell. Which is kinda sad. Like, yeah, I hope that they all get as much mental health training as they do physical training. Exactly. Because. Social emotional learning, baby. I'm sure there's a lot of things that go on that are probably not so fun that we glorify. We're like, oh, these these sports people, like, they're perfect. And it's just like, look probably their, not. Look at their bodies. Look at that. Yeah. Look at their minds. How about that? Yeah. What do they have their degrees in? What are, what are their aspirations? What are their hobbies outside of sport? I think Simone was talking about how she was walking her dog a lot and she did puzzles or knitting or something. I was going to say, I could peg her as like a knitting or crochet girl. I feel like she said something about that. Um, anyway, getting into our main segment. So to celebrate the life the end of an era. The end of an era of the unsolved uh, mysteries or unsolved anything. Yeah. Um, we've each chosen a favorite unsolved case. Mine's one that they actually did cover on BuzzFeed Unsolved. Yes, and mine is a little bit not well known, I would say. I didn't know much about this case until I did some research on it. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go into that, though, just going to give the folks at home like a minute overview of BuzzFeed Unsolved just in case they're mm. not aware of it. I mean, I hope you are. I think most people at least have heard of it if, you know, I'm if sure. they haven't watched it. Yeah. Um, basically, as Kay has brought out before, it's hosted by Ryan uh, Bergara and Shane Madej. Um, Like I said, it first appeared on YouTube in February of 2016. And however, shortly after, it was only three years after, in 2019, the two started their own production company, Watcher mm-hmm. Entertainment, as we've talked about previously. And they actually are still currently employed as at BuzzFeed to finish out the show, mm-hmm. but they are freelance producers. They are not directly under them. Um, the final seasons will premiere this year, which was just announced this, this week, like we just said. Yesterday was announced. Um, and it's really exciting because a lot of fans, I think, were worried because they came under the true crime catalog because there's two subsets the show there's true crime and there's supernatural mm-hmm. so a lot of the fans myself included got super panicked because we're like what about a final season for supernatural and they said don't worry that's coming they too. always do sister seasons they do so that's coming as well um yeah so we have a lot to look forward to with like the um as we almost get into like we're kind of going towards the second half of 2021 which is wild to think about mm-hmm. so that was my little spiel about BuzzFeed Unsolved, just to throw that in there in case, again, if you're not the most familiar, if you haven't watched the show, obviously we are here to promote it because they're not paying us. They're not paying us. If they, they want to. If they want to, that'd be perfect. But they don't even have to. I'm just that in love with them. Uh, yeah. Um, And actually, before we even start, we po- you posed this question to me. I was planning on yes. posing it to you. Okay. But, you know, so... Shane is definitely more of the the skeptic. He kind of thinks everything's nonsense, especially with the supernatural stuff. He doesn't believe in ghosts. Yes. Um. He likes, likes to. Tease. He likes to tease. He has a very dry sense of humor. And then there's Ryan. He usually comes in with like he's the one who does all the narration and everything. He's very um factual. He does a lot of the research. And yet he's the one who like believes in ghosts. 
Yes. And get super spooked super easily. Very easily. Um, so based off of that, are you more of a Shaniac, a Bugara? You know, in this dynamic, which roles do we play here? That's so challenging because... We are I, different. Yes. Um, I can see myself a little bit as both. You're versatile? I'm versatile. What can I say? Um, no, because like I, what I'll say is I definitely resonate a lot more with Ryan. Okay. However, the only like the the distinct difference between us two, I really don't think I get spooked easily. You say that, but have you ever seen a ghost? I have not. Have you ever been in like a haunted place? I have not. I don't know if I believe. I've been to haunted I've, places. I'm a bit like Shane. I'm a skeptic, so. I'm like, it's weird because I believe in ghosts, but I'm not afraid of them. So I'm like both of them in that regard. Yeah, I don't know what I believe in necessarily. I believe there are spiritual energies. I just don't know. One of these new age bitches. <laughs> There's like everything has like its own Everything soul. has its own, its own magnetic wave. No, I just, I there's definitely some type of energy. But then also I don't want to label it as negative or positive or good or evil. Yeah. They they give it a dichotomous. I think there's always the connotation that like ghosts are evil and I don't think that at all. I think they're totally neutral. Like they're just people who have died. Like why do you think that once you die like you're like okay I'm evil now. Like they're like the neutral Janets from the from the good place. Yeah and like people I guess they're like oh well they're trapped here. It's just like well do you feel trapped here? That is a real question. See and then the other Mm -hmm. side of it is the whole like people posing these questions where are they getting this stuff and they're like oh they, their soul is trapped here like where are you getting this from they they went up they asked a the ghost they saw a ghost and they're like hey sir where's your soul and they go it's trapped here that's why i'm here and they're like oh cool yeah anyway i i wrote i wrote a pilot based off of a ghost you hotel. did so i'm very much into ghosts i think they're really neat um i definitely see myself in Ryan's kind of approach to the supernatural stuff. Yes. Um, but I kind of like just Shane's easygoing way of just like taking in the information, making these quick conclusions for himself before Ryan even gets there. And also just like taking the piss out of some of these situations. Like some of the, these criminals are so hyped up in the true crime and he just like makes fun of them. And that's yeah. totally something I would do. He totally do. gaslights them in the best way. Yeah. Yeah, he, they deserve it. Um, If I were to, like, on a whim, if someone had, like, a gun to me and was, like, pick now, I would say I'm a Ryan, you're a Shane. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, But besties at home, let us know what you think. I'm mm-hmm. very curious. Reach out to us. And personally, are you a Shaniac or a Bugara? Are you the, the one who believes or are you the skeptic when it comes to life? Yeah, it's hard. I'm a little bit of both. I feel like I'm more of a of a Bugara, but I appreciate the Shaniac. Yeah. I think they're I think every single you know, duo needs those two energies. Yes. They balance each other very well. They're and such a good <laughs> duo. They have such a good dynamic. They were meant for each other. They're like platonic soulmates, you know? I was about to I was literally about to say, I'm like, listen, I know they are not meant for each other in a romantic sense. No. Oh, that would be awful. That'd be so bad. However, platonically, oh my God, they are perfect for each other. They deserve mm-hmm. like I. I hope if there is an afterlife that they get to, like, 
continue palling around there. Continue just to hang. Yeah. Or, oh, they would be great if they died in the same spot and they just haunted it together forever. Yeah. And then Shane had to be, like, proved wrong about ghosts because he became one. And then there's just, like, you know, a new, like, insertion of some type of unsolved where they're trying to prove that they're ghosts or they're very meta. Yeah. Anyway, on to our cases. Yes. Um, do you mind if I go first? Yes, I was going to say, I, wa- I kind of want you to go because first. Because this is one that we both already know. I'm sure yeah. many people listening already know it or have heard of it. Um, and this is uh, The Strange Disappearance of D.B. Cooper, mm-hmm. which occurred um, in 1971. So this was an early episode of Unsolved. It was from like 2017. And this case is actually the most famous unsolved FBI case of all time. Interesting. Um, so on November 24th, 1971, I'm trying to do it like Ryan, but I can't. So I'm like, I shouldn't even try. Um, Dan Cooper buys a one-way ticket on Northwest Orient Airlines, all in cash, as to not be tracked, because they did have credit at this time, um, from Portland, Oregon to Seattle, Washington. Okay, I remember this one. I, I was, like, trying to, in my head, I'm like, you, no, You'll know exactly. I remember this one. Um, so he was described as being, you know, in his mid-40s, business clothes. Um, he had a briefcase and a paper bag. Mm-hmm. Um, he on When he's on the flight, he orders a bourbon and soda. Good for him. I, I guess, like, and I think they discussed this in the episode, like, that's either the move of someone who wants to seem cool or someone who actually is cool. And it's such a thin line. It's such a thin line. A but like, thin I, line. like, this guy came on with a suit, a briefcase, a paper bag, and orders that drink. He's cool. He fucks. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this next thing he does, like, isn't cool. It's yeah. funny. <laughs> so a little after 3 p.m. on the flight, um, Cooper, he hands the stewardess a note. And she yes. puts it in her pocket. She yes. doesn't read it. Mm-hmm. And then Cooper like taps her on the shoulder. And he's like, you better read that note. I have a bomb. Darling, you better <laughs> read that note. I, I love how like, she doesn't read it right away. Like She probably thought it was like, here's my number. I know. Like, here's my address. Send me a postcard, love. <laughs> um, and so she like didn't want to reject him. But he's just like, no, I'm not coming on to you. I she have knew, a bomb. She knew exactly what she was doing. She said, pass. And then she was like, oh, a bomb. I'm not interested <laughs> still. <laughs> um, and so he, like, asked her to sit next to him to say, like, look, I'm being serious. Um, he opens up his briefcase. And there's, like, a bomb in there. It's, like, one of those old-timey ones where it's, like, the, the red thin thing. When like did a customs stick of become a thing in security? No. It's because of Because of him. Because of him. <laughs> Him and 9-11. Okay, we had to think about this, though. 1971 is not that long ago. No, it wasn't. That's but, like, the crazy part. When it comes to commercial yeah, airlines, true. it kind of was forever ago. Yeah. Um, um, my thing is, he, he passes her the note, and she has that, like, automatic reaction. She's like, I have a boyfriend. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 you're getting the wrong idea. I'm trying to blow up this plane. And she's like, I have a boyfriend. She's still like, I'm still not interested. <laughs> um, so it's got like all the red sticks and the wires. And he asks her to write down exactly what he says and to take it to the captain. So his request Very demanding. to, I guess, the ground to then be, tra- uh, you know, requested by the captain to ground control um, is $200,000 in cash um, exclusively in $20 bills. Okay. okay. Numbers um, guy. We got a numbers guy. All in a knapsack. Um, How old is he again? In his 40s. Okay. Um, two back and front parachutes. 
um, and a fuel truck so that the, the the airplane can refuel and immediately take off again when he lands all by 5 p.m. So this is like an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, he said, no funny stuff or I'll <laughs> do the job. <laughs> no funny stuff. Don't be cracking no jokes. That is a movie line right there. <laughs> I think there have been I, there's at least been like Discovery Channel documentaries on this no where like they have stuff. like those cheesy re- recreations and stuff where he probably oh, yeah. some dude probably only in his 30s and she's like no funny stuff um and it was like you know Flash Flash DB Cooper I don't know <laughs> um okay so they land in Seattle right yeah Seattle mm-hmm. uh they exchange the passengers for the money and the parachutes um, and he requested four parachutes, by the way, because if he requested one parachute, they could obviously tamper with it. Yes. Um, but if he requests four, it's you know gives the opportunity for the him to grab a hostage. The likelihood of him jumping and living is a little bit higher. Well, I'm saying he, it, that they were thinking then, okay, he might be taking hostages too. We don't want to risk mm, their safety. So four parachutes, nothing's wrong with He's them. He's got the mind of a master. Well, no. maybe. Um. And so when they and so he got the money in the parachutes and they when they took off. The one for, thing he thought through was those damn parachutes. <laughs> he requested that they fly under ten thousand feet. And this is because during the second half of the flight, Cooper um put on these <laughs> dark wraparound glasses that he's famously like sketched in. Um and this is near Reno, Nevada. He heads to the rear doors of the plane and jumps out with two of the parachutes and the money and was never seen again. Um, the only thing he left on the plane was his clip-on tie from J.C. Penny. This mother. <laughs> He's like, I'm the coolest person <laughs> on the planet. Clip-on you, tie. You're gonna tell me you go through all this goddamn effort and you can't even tie your own tie? <laughs> That's so funny. But anyway, there was a little piece of DNA on it. He crossed the line with that one. <laughs> he really did. He's a doofus. <laughs> um, and it had a little bit of DNA on it that the F- the FBI was able to find. What type um, of DNA? Hair. Saliva? <sighs> probably just Blood. like skin particles. Sweat? <laughs> probably. Yeah. I don't know. DNA, DNA. I don't need to know the types. I don't work for the FBI. Or do I? I don't. You don't. <laughs> Obviously, I do not have those skills. Um, so the case was dubbed Norjack for Northwest hijacking. And the plane was searched for evidence. And also the serial numbers of the $20 bills because each bill that ever printed has a serial number. Mm-hmm. Um, they were released to the public in the hopes of tracking him down. You know, they'd be like, if you find a twenty dollar bill with this serial number, let us know. And we'll, you know, backtrack it or whatever. Interesting. That's something you could only do in nineteen seventy one. Now, no one fucking looks at their money. I was gonna say, and also like that would take, you know, the the whole idea of like people cooperating and being able to be like, hmm, let me write these numbers down in case I ever come across them. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe people in Utah had nothing better to do. Okay, drag Utah. Anyway, so nine years after the hijacking in 1980, a young boy found, like, the the decrepit paper bag Mm -hmm. um, with a bunch of the $20 bills with the matching serial numbers to the bills given to Cooper. Um, The money was found in Tina Bar, um, which is somewhere in Utah, I think. Um, leading some to suspect that the money was dropped during Cooper's fall down to the ground and fell into the uh, Washougal River that deposited in Tina Bar. Um, the surrounding beaches were searched, but nothing else was found. 
dun, that dun, was dun. Somewhat, a, somewhat of a dead end, except that they know that he didn't leave with all the money. He got the, he got the money back. Not all of it. It was like 5000 worth. I hope the little boy got to keep it, but I think a lot of it was like corroded. Yeah. From the water. From the water. The water. Um, newspapers received confessions and eulogies for D.B. Cooper's as well as like claims from people claiming to be his brother. Like always his brother. He's like, oh yeah, D.B. Cooper. That's my brother. Okay. Um, in November 1972, Donald Sylvester Murphy and William John Lewis are brought into federal custody for extortion and impersonating Cooper to tell uh, sell a tell-all story to a tabloid. So these people... Pretended. They said, let's get money. They pretended to be a criminal, by the way. Weird. Um, And then they, they went to jail for all it. All press is good press, Kay. That's what they were thinking. They said, all press is but good But, like, press. it wasn't even them. Like, if you was like, a, okay, you pretend to be, like, Marilyn Monroe for a tell-all. Okay, that's a little interesting. It's a little juicy. If they track you down, then it's just like, okay, Marilyn Monroe's pissed Maybe you. they wanted to give jail a try. They Maybe they were just a little they curious. They were jealous. They're like, what's the easiest way to get into jail? Yeah. Impersonation? Let's go for it. Um, so there were about like 800 suspects across the country. Mm-hmm. And all but 24 were eliminated. Um, and the initials DB aren't exactly relevant to the, to the case because like his, the, he bought the ticket under Dan Cooper. Yeah. It's just this one person who was like trying to... Um, I think it was like the New York Times or one a New York newspaper was trying to get, you know, to the story first, and they like misread something, and they said DB instead of Dan, and so that name I guess just stuck. It got that's why thrown out there. That's why it's DB Cooper, but like DB sounds cooler, right? It does. Than Dan. Or I'm Dan Cooper. Or I'm Dan Cooper. I'm DB. I'm DB Cooper. Like, come on. Swoons. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, the original charge that DB was charged with was air piracy, which sounds dope. But it's not. Yeah, and it has a statute of limitations of only five years, so instead they charged him with violating the Hobbs Act, which has no statute of limitations. Yeah, also, like, how does that work when you're up in the air? Like, what, um, precedent do you fall under? In all states, air piracy is illegal. (laughs) Like what you mean? Like it's a federal crime, so they couldn't. Um, okay. They couldn't like. It's not like you can only be tried in New York. Yeah. It's okay. when it goes to the FBI, any state you're caught in, mm. it counts. Yeah. Can't get away with it, sadly. Um, oh shucks. And they didn't have to find an accomplice or anything since um, Cooper didn't know the route that they were taking. He said, "Just go any route. Just my end destination has to be Mexico City." Um, so the pilot actually chose um, the route that they would take. So there's no way he could have, like, communicated to someone on the ground, like, this is where I'm landing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, which brings us to the suspects. So suspect number one, we have Richard Floyd McCoy. What a name, by the way. That That is a name. All of these people have such interesting names. He... 1971. Yeah, so the reason that they think it could have been him, he was one of, like, the favorite suspects for this. Um, he had a similar heist of his own that had a lot of the similar markers of D.B. Cooper's heist. Um, both heists took place during Brigham Young University spring breaks where 
McCoy went to school, even though this man is supposed to be in his 40s. So I don't understand. Maybe he, I don't know. He's going that back for sense. an education. That or they just, he looked really old and he wasn't. Um, and according, this comes from a Wikipedia page, so it's probably not true. Um, but McCoy's family supposedly identified a piece of evidence left on the plane by Cooper, which was like this Brigham Young like coin or chip with uh, Richard Floyd McCoy's initials on them, mm. um, which would have been really killer evidence if it was corroborated by the FBI, but yeah. it's not, so probably not. Um, and they say he didn't quite match the description, though he looked somewhat similar. Like, I saw the picture of him next to the sketch, and I'm like, they look pretty like. It was weird. There's also a lot of speculation that the FBI is covering some stuff up, but we'll get to that Ooh. later. We'll get to that later. The second suspect is Dwayne Weber. Um, he claimed to be D.B. Cooper on his deathbed. He, like, whispered. A lot of people do that. I know. It's so boring. I'm going to claim to be the Zodiac on my deathbed. <laughs> um, he whispered to his wife, I have a secret to tell you. I'm Dan Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> she was probably like, who the hell is that? She's like, what? Huh? Uh-huh. Uh, 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 okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so he died. And so his wife, Joe, kind of reassessed what he said and, like, looked back and was just like, oh, you know, there is some weird stuff here. Like, he would talk in his sleep about leaving fingerprints on a plane and he had a knee, a knee ailment that he claimed he got from jumping out of a plane. Um, his handwriting was also found in the margins of a book about D.B. Cooper. And he also took his wife to Tina Bar, where the money was found, just like cuz. Um, he also had an old Northwest Airline ticket for no apparent reason. Mm. I'm like, okay, interesting. Um, and, like, the reason they didn't, they, they ruled him out was, like, the FBI agents just didn't buy it. Like, despite the descriptions um, being similar and, like, he had a criminal background that they thought this Cooper guy would have. But they were like, mm, I don't buy it. Nope. So, it could be this guy. There's a good likelihood, of, in, my, in, my, in my opinion, I think. The best suspect we got. Mm. Suspect number three is Kenneth Christensen. No relation to Hayden, I don't think. Um, his brother Lyle watched. Lyle, what a name! <laughs> watched an episode of Unsolved Mysteries and became convinced that his brother was DB Cooper. This is after his brother has died. By That's the way, dark. Imagine you're saying there, you're like, hold on a second. Like, huh. My brother did this. Um, There's also a deathbed confession from Kenneth. Once again. But it didn't specifically point to the case. Like, he just said, I have a secret, um, but, like, I can't. Things I can never tell you. And he died. So I'm like, okay. What was the point of him bringing it up, Into weird porn. Um, He was a flight purser, which means he was, like, the head flight attendant for Northwest Airlines. So this points to it maybe being an inside job he also loved bourbon and bought a house shortly after the crime was committed um one of the stewardesses stated that he looked the closest to cooper out of all the suspects but did not confirm that it was exact he was like that i cannot say 
Yeah, also some of that evidence is a little, like, it's just coincidental or lacking to be like, he loved bourbon, too. Yeah, he also loved bourbon. I was like, yeah, everyone's yeah. brother. How many other people? And the fact that he bought a house right after it. Okay, so how many other people in this country probably bought a house right after that happened? Well, I don't know, the 70s wasn't the best financial time. Anyway. It wasn't the worst. Yeah, that'd be the now. But. <laughs> um, maybe the 30s during the Great Depression. Yeah, we're in another one of those movies. Maybe. Um. Uh, one of the, uh, what did I say? Oh, he was also a paratrooper after World War II. Mm. And Cooper was supposedly an unskilled jumper. So that was why they were like, probably not. And the reason they think he was an unskilled jumper is because there's this one theory that thinks that D.B. Cooper did, didn't survive the fall at all. I believe that one. <laughs> so one of his parachutes was a training chute that was sewn shut, so he couldn't have used it. Mm-hmm. Um. And the other was a military chute, which was not steerable, so you just kind of free fall. Yep. And when he jumped, it was nighttime. There was rain, 20-mile-per-hour winds, heavy cloud coverage, and he was also falling into a heavily wooded area. He's dead. He died. But the body was never found. That's okay. I don't know. Um... If this man can't even tie a tie, he is not working a parachute, my guy. <laughs> There's another theory that, and this was started by some people online, that it was like he was some type of Boeing employee, and Boeing at the time was like a super secret, like what they were doing, like the technology they were working on, it was like supersonic stuff. Yeah. Because um, there were strange materials also found on his tie that were being used only at Boeing pretty much. Um, on their tech, and they're like, "Oh yeah, it could link be linked through like this one guy who can corroborate the story," and they haven't found that guy. So not I, I'm calling bullshit on that one. Oh, of course. So the case was closed in 2016 after 45 years. It was a very exhausting case. Imagine um, all the money they spent too. <laughs> 45 years. The stack of papers is so huge. Um, there was another person they think it could be this I don't really buy it though this man named Robert Rackstraw who was a pilot during the Vietnam War when they questioned him he said could have been about like they were like were you D.B. Cooper like did you do this and he said could have been which is weird yeah that's a weird response Um, this man has a criminal past he lied in the military and he was let go or discharged from the military before the hijacking occurred, like two months before the hijacking. Yeah. He was also tried for killing his stepfather, but he was acquitted for that. Mm. Um, and that this is what they they think that they could have been a, an FBI cover up for a rogue CIA agent. I think that's what he could have been. Um, it also could have been Loki. From, from the Marvel from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the reason I say this is because in the trailer for Loki, um, which it, it has to do with like the t- the show that drops tomorrow our time, because today is Tuesday when we're recording this Wednesday, so everyone has already seen it who's listening to this. Um, in the trailer, he's wearing those wraparound sunglasses. He's wearing like business clothes. He has the briefcase, and he drops out of a plane. And it's, like, all very 70s looking. Mm. And I think they're pointing to the fact that, like, the premise of the show is that he goes 
back in time and like changes all like these events and like that he's the one responsible for all these big events that happened. So Loki is DB Cooper. I think Loki is DB Cooper. <laughs> um was this what inspired you to pick this case today? Somewhat and also I just always found it very interesting. I found the enigma that is DB Cooper very interesting. Like mm. was this guy super cool, completely knew what he was doing, or was he a fucking idiot? Who probably ate shit on the way down and was just like probably the latter. <laughs> I think he was like so stupid, and it's like unsolved case, and it's just out like, of the suspects he... and theories. Which one do you lean most towards? I think if he didn't die, I think it was the second guy, Dwayne Weber, whose okay. wife got the the confession. I do think a bed like a deathbed confession is so stupid. But maybe it was more, it was less stupid back in the day. Maybe it was like, not. I can't even say remorse. It was just the fact that he wanted to get into heaven. So he's like, I did this. He's like, yeah, I gotta get it off my, like, I think there's the most evidence. And like, it was like the one thing that the reason the FBI was like, nah, they're just like, "Mm, we don't think so. I don't really buy it. And I'm like, that's bullshit. Mm. So I think it could be him. Um, I think I, my top two are, I think he's dead. I think mm-hmm. he, just, he just ate, ate a shit. bunch of trees. <laughs> um, my second one, I like the whole CIA gone rogue FBI cover up. It's more interesting. I'm, I'm a fan of those. So I got to, even if there's not like any amount of evidence that it even touches it, like I, I like a good theory. I do mm-hmm. enjoy a good theory. I, I love a, I love a good tale that can just eat my popcorn. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, is that it? And that's it. And that's it. For that folks. case, baby. Um, so I'm gonna go into mine. Go for um, it. So I actually had a bit of trouble picking mine out because I there were so many I wanted to do. There, the first one I want to do were the Wineville murders, um, which many people don't know about. It, there's a movie I think that's actually based on it. Um, I'm forgetting the name of it. It's actually really dark though. So I was like, I'm not gonna go that direction because it's very Yeah, we don't want to get too dark. It's here. one of those cases I don't know too much about it, and that's why I wanted to, because I wanted to do the research. Eventually I'm going to. I have a book in my Amazon cart actually about like the case and everything. You like, would. I do. <laughs> and I heard it's like one of those cases because it involves children too, like that. It's mm. so dark that like even like certain people in the industry get uncomfortable. So I'm like, I'm really curious like what went down. Mm. Um, nothing good. Nothing good. The other one was, um, I'm forgetting her last name. It was in, I want to say the 90s, the um, kidnapping and murder of this young girl who's named Amber. And it's the reason we now have the Amber Alert. Oh, right, right. Case. It did not do that one either. I wanted to do something a little bit more not like I said not known so the unsolved case that I am exploring today is the Austin yogurt shop murders hello listeners this is Kay from the future giving you a content warning for the following segment there is the discussion of sexual assault and violence against women as well as other graphic depictions of violence Um, if that's something you're not comfortable with I suggest skipping ahead to the about hour and 10 minute mark um, if you're okay with all those kinds of discussions, then continue listening. Thank you. Like Austin, Texas? Austin, Texas, baby. Yogurt or frozen Yo- yogurt? Uh, frozen yogurt. It's just See, nothing good happens from getting frozen yogurt. Yeah, it's just <laughs> shortened to yogurt because yeah. I guess they it's- were thinking the Austin frozen yogurt shop murders was just a little too mouthy. They yeah. They wanted to cut out one word. It's kind of like cutesy. Yeah, the the Austin Which is sad. yogurt shop murders. Murders. 
Um, so this was a little bit more recently as compared to yours. So this occurred in 1991. It was frozen yogurt, and I, I guess so. I know. I was shocked too when I was. You know what? No, I was watching the nanny, and they were talking about frozen yogurt. They and were I was like, oh, look at that. So it was even trendy back then. Yeah. Um. So December 6, 1991. Oh my Austin, god. Texas. I really just channeled in Ryan. Thank you. February third. Yeah, we just February like that. It's February. Yeah, it's adorable. It's adorable. Um, so we have fifteen-year-old Sarah Harbi- Harbison and friend thirteen-year-old Amy Ayers were hanging out together at the North Cross Mall in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. They were waiting for Sarah's sister Jennifer, um, as well as Jennifer's friend and coworker Eliza, to finish their shift, their night shift at their yogurt shop, which is actually named. I can't believe it's yogurt shop at the Hillside Strip Mall. So what is the first thing you think of when you hear that name? I mean, I can't believe it's butter. Yeah, exactly. I I can't believe it's not butter. That's the first thing I thought of. I was like, wow, what a name. That's very 90s. It really is. So after 10 p.m., Sarah and Amy, they were the ones who were at the mall. The younger ones. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, so they are the younger ones, 15 and 13. Um, they left the mall and headed to the yogurt shop, which was only a few blocks away, to hang out and help close up at 11 p.m. So now we have, like, this hour span. They're heading there around 10, closes up at 11. Um, the girls, apparently, this, like, a sad part to it, too. The girls had plans to attend a slumber party once they closed up the shop. Just before midnight, so now we're skipping ahead past closing and past everything that happens. Just before midnight, Officer Troy Gay noticed smoke coming from the strip mall while he was out on patrol. Smoke. Smoke. Okay, this is like my first question. Um, It's a Friday night. It, it, it is late at night, granted. Mm-hmm. But we're meaning to say that this is the first person to like see the smoke because no one called it in he was the first person to notice it yeah that's what i find not to say it's suspicious it's just weird i guess um so he's the first person to report it he reported the fire and once firefighters arrived to put out the fire they came across this grisly discovery all four girls were found dead inside the shop they were naked and bound and gagged with their own clothing oh that's no fun. Yeah, That's it, it slumber gets, party gone wrong. Yeah, it gets worse. Yeah, oh, oh it no. gets worse. So, um, Amy's body. She was the sister of one of the co-worker, one of the girls working there. So, Amy's body was discovered. She was the first one discovered because she was in the middle of the back room. So, when they, I guess, put out the fire and were walking through this door, like right when you entered those doors, there was actually where I got this from the source. There was like a diagram and it showed like the the um the logistics of the store. So when they first like walked through that back door, she was right there. Um, so hers was discovered first in the middle of the back room. And this is what's interesting. She wasn't with the rest of them because the afterwards they find Jennifer, Eliza and Sarah were at the rear of the back room and they were clustered together in a corner. Hmm. I wonder if one, one or three of them like tried to escape. or something. That's what I was thinking. So what I'm thinking is the, and the, again, 
because I saw the diagram what it looked like. If any of them, it looked like Sarah, uh, not Sarah, Amy, since she was the one by herself. I looked like if anything, she tried to escape, or maybe um, the perp uh, the perpetrator or the suspect who did this was taking her um, solely alone um, and keeping the girls separate. I don't know what happened. But Better I she was killed first. They tried to get to the door, which was locked. Or something. Yeah, there's just so much that obviously we'll never know. Mm -hmm. And um, it just gets a little bit weirder and more mac macabre from macabre. here. Um, so Eliza and Sarah were stacked on top of each other. Are those the two older girls? Um, no, Sarah was one of the younger girls and Eliza was one of the workers. Okay. So it was... Um, Eliza 17 and Sarah was 15. Mm -hmm. She was the um the other girl's sister. Jennifer's sister. Yes, Jennifer's sister. So they were stacked on top of each other in that corner and and then Jennifer was next to them. Mm. Um the girls were placed with their legs open and an ice cream scoop placed between one of their legs. What? So, like, just very methodical, very obviously thought out, and just weird. Mm. That just reminded me as, like, if this was done by a serial killer, as if, like, that was their signature. Yeah, that's very, like, Hannibal. Yes. It was just very specific and odd and really gross. Yeah. The bodies were practically burnt beyond recognition, obviously because of this fire. And oh, did he, like, light the back room on fire? What the suspect did was use flammable objects throughout the shop, found them, and poured lighter fluid all over them, as oh. well as the objects, and, like, lit the place on fire. Ugh. Autopsies revealed that the girls were all shot in the back of the head, and at least two of the girls had been raped. So, would Ooh. it sound like at I mean... That is just sickening. It's a really sad case. The only, like, sliver of, like, peace there is to this case is that they were shot in the back of the head and were dead before everything else happened. Yeah, but so it's, like, no respect for the dead Oh, no, to of course them. not. But I like, mean, obviously, this isn't someone who has great reverence for life. But... Yeah, this is, I'm trying to look at it as they had the least amount of torture as possible, I'm hoping. Hopefully. Um... And this is where, again, like, this case gets a little bit weirder as you go on. So two guns were used to commit the murders. Two so separate guns? Two separate guns were used to commit these murders. Hmm. Um, so there is speculation that there were two perpetrators involved. That or that's what they wanted you to think. Exactly. Maybe they thought it would be harder for them to be caught if they used two different guns. Exactly. So, like, literally, it can't even prove that there were two people. It was just two different guns. Mm -hmm. Um. Despite a lengthy police investigation by lead detective John Jones and his partner Mike Huckabay, numerous suspects and an outraged community, these appalling murders remain unsolved to this day. So it was just the one shop that was hit? It wasn't like a string of murders in the area? Nope, it was just that okay. one standalone incident. So here are the issues with the case. I mean, there's a few. <laughs> there, there, I mean, there are plenty, but here um, is what is listed. Evidence is immediately washed away because it was a fire. Well. And the firefighters did their job. Oh, yeah. Not knowing, obviously, what, that was, there, on what the was on the inside. inside. So that made it very challenging to find I DNA. I mean, that's probably why the culprit lit it 
yeah. on fire. Austin also at this time lacked the expertise and they only had one fingerprinting unit in the early 90s. And again, we have to think like DNA and what we know in the realms of DNA in that world um, has has grown so much from that time, mm -hmm. but it was still very new at that time. Also, even though this is like a city, it had a small size in terms of their homicide squad and there was only one investigator on the on the night shift um, that specific night of those murders. Damn. So they had all the odds working against them. I wouldn't even think that of Austin, but I guess I didn't know what Austin was like in the 90s. Like now it's like a huge city. Exactly. But maybe it wasn't or after this case, maybe they grew that um, that number. Because they were like, hmm, this probably isn't enough to cover. Yeah, especially, you know, obviously with like an urban setting where there's a lot more people than your suburban setting more more often than not. Yeah, like in like in a small town, that's probably okay. But like not for a, a that big a city. Not a city, baby. Like how many um freaking law and order things are there yeah. where it's just all the different departments and homicide and shit? So many. So this investigation saw over 300 suspects and dozens of false confessions. Surprise, surprise. They I would always be coming. But in. like, who would falsely confess to that? Like DB Cooper, I can understand because like you didn't do anything so bad. Like you didn't kill anyone. You got money and you threatened, you know, yeah. a bomb threat. But you were seen as kind of cool with the glasses and shit. I don't think this person who did this is cool. No. I think they are disgusting. Yeah, they're going to burn wherever they go to. I don't know why you'd confess to that. Um, So we're going to see some of those confessions. Um, Only just some of them, a few. Um, But here are the theories in terms of what happened or more particularly the suspects of who it could possibly be. Mm -hmm. Um, The first thing or first person they turned to was Kenneth Allen McDuff. When they came across this crime, the logistics and everything, they're like, this has the markings of a serial killer. Let us look into the database of local serial killers. Mm -hmm. So they come across Kenneth Allen McDuff, who was a Texas serial killer suspected to have murdered 14 people in his lifetime. Um, he's known most predominantly for the broomstick murders of august in 1966 i think i've heard of those um i think there was like three people involved i want to say it was like two men and a woman i could be completely wrong mm -hmm. I, I kind of like brushed through it but basically um the reason it's dubbed the broomstick murders is because what he did was take the female suspect and i think snapped her neck using a broomstick oh. and then raped her yeah, very not a not a nice guy. Yeah, not a nice guy. Very dark. Um, this is where it gets messy. Oh my god! Like when I read this, I couldn't believe what I was reading, and then I was just like, "Yeah, incompetency one hundred and one right here." So due to prison overcrowding, he was released on parole in nineteen eighty nine. That's such an American statement that you just said there. And obviously, he was believed to have committed more murders while he was released. Oh, my Go God. Go figure. Uh, Texas, get your shit together. <laughs> God, Texas. After years of evading the police, he was once again captured and sentenced to death row. Mm. So in November 7, on November 17th, 1998, that was the scheduled day of his execution. 
after this was seven years after the um, yogurt shop mm-hmm. murders, he confessed to the yogurt shop murders. And the reason he does this, and it's very, it's the most plausible reason. It's it's kind of like, yeah, this is why he did it. This dumbass thought, hey, if I confess to this, maybe they won't kill me. Not, why? Because they would want they'd postpone it to try him in court or something. That, or it's just like, oh, he gave them some type of evidence, so they're gonna give him something in return and spare his life. This guy was just not the brightest. That, or he was trying to add to his rap sheet. Maybe. Just like, if so I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna add four more. Literally. Okay. So he confesses to it, and then I re- I love I wrote. However, he was still executed that same day. Oh, man. They they were just like, nope, off with your head. Um. His confession was proven false because DNA sampling collected from the shop. There was some DNA they were able to find and salvage was not able. They could not link it back to McDuff. So it wasn't like anyone in the database or something. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't anyone who was a known serial killer. No. So Mm -hmm. clearly, again, a false confession. And now we know maybe why people do this, whether it's, again, to build that rap sheet of theirs. Or as I kind of pose, they think, hey, I'm going to get something from this. Like, they'll spare me my life if I give them more info, quote unquote. That and like some of them think, okay, maybe it'll get put in the papers if I make this false confession. And, you know, they'll find out that it's not true, but I'll, you know, get kind of famous. Yeah. Again. Again, that's that's not the thing you want to confess to. Confess to like, oh, I saved this person's life. Yeah, but these confess people are being sick a people. Mystery. They're crazy. Of course they want to confess to it. They want to look like the big baddie around town. I don't understand people. I don't either. So this one is another interesting one. Um, the next suspect, his name is Maurice Price. He did it. Pierce. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm Not Price. Anyone named Maurice? <laughs> Maurice. <laughs> You're done. Maurice Pierce. You're done. Um, so he was 16 years old um, at the time of these murders. Um, and it was the police department was tipped off by, and I believe it was an anonymous source mm. that he was seen at the mall that the two girls were at before they went to the yogurt shop with a gun the same night of the murders. Why does 16 year old have a gun? It's Texas. It's Texas. <laughs> <laughs> it's Texas. <laughs> if you don't have a gun, get one. If you don't have a gun, get one, bitch. Um, so one of the guns that was used to murder the girls was a 22 caliber, which he, this Maurice had. It was one of the same weapons. Um, so Maurice and his friends were questioned. Um, they were brought in for questioning eight days after the crime. So this is kind of going back to the timeline, back to original mm-hmm. timeline stamp. So this is, yeah, eight year, eight years, eight days after the crime was committed, they were questioned. But the questioning led to a dead end. They weren't getting anywhere. They weren't getting any information. Um, and then further, they took Pierce's gun and they tested it. And the ballistics showed that there was no match. And his DNA did not match what was found at the crime scene either. So another You're still a freak. <laughs> Don't bring your gun to the mall. <laughs> so another person we have to cross out. Interestingly enough, now we're jumping ahead again. We're going now to 1999. So this is but what here is- for film. Very true. <laughs> this is this is the year of the, what is known as the 1999 arrest. So in this year, four suspects in their 20s were taken into custody for the murders. So Maurice was brought up again, as well as his friends who were questioned eight years earlier. Whoa. Forrest Wellborn, Michael Scott, 
Michael Scott. Michael Scott. No. Robert Springsteen as well. So these these four boys were brought uh-huh. back in. The same suspects who were questioned eight days after the girls were killed and released due to this lack of evidence. Did they have more evidence that? Okay. So one of the suspects, Michael Scott, confessed to the killings. And he was not alone. Robert Springsteen also confessed to the killing the girls and raping one of them. After the confessions, the police were convinced they had the killers. So this is the theory. The theory that stands was the four had planned to rob the yogurt shop. Scott Springsteen and Pierce entered the shop while Wellborn waited outside and served as lookout. But then something went very wrong during the robbery and all of the girls were killed. Hmm. Think that through. What could have gone wrong during the robbery? I forgot to mention um, earlier. I something I left out of the details because I thought it was just like very. It was almost insensitive when I was reading it because it was like, oh, this amount of money was taken from the register after like all those terrible things that happened yeah. to these poor girls, and like also they the the store or whatever ma- noticed that this much was missing from the register, and I was like, that's what you're fucking concerned well, about. Well, it could be just like. That would then lead them to think, okay, maybe this was a robbery, but a robbery gone wrong. But, like, I don't know why a robbery gone wrong would have such an intricate, like, That's the whole point. So the fact that if this was a robbery gone wrong, it wouldn't lead to this whole murder, rape. No, this seems like premeditated. Yeah, so that's why they were crushing this. They're like, something, it, like, really isn't add up. Um so the authorities tried twice to indict Wellborn for the murders, but they lacked the evidence to link him to the crime. So all charges against him were dropped. Charges against Pierce were also dropped due to the lack of evidence, which is particularly hard for the police and the victim's families to take, um, as he was considered the mastermind behind the crime and these killings. Mm. Um, and again, this was only theory, but it became a very popular theory very quickly. And you know, obviously, families, friends, all these people want this solved. So if something even remotely kind of starts to make sense, people are going to jump on it. Well, I think the likelihood of them committing this is pretty good. Um, I mean, the whole ballistics thing is different, but a different one. Like someone else, one of them four could have had the gun as well. But I don't think that they came in looking to rob it. I think they probably scouted the location, knew the girls knew the sisters or something or maybe the sisters weren't accounted for like the younger ones and they were just planning on doing this crime you know either killing them maybe just uh uh sexually assaulting them and and robbing and maybe what wrong went wrong was that the the younger sisters showed up and And that's when they decided to shoot them yeah um so going further, Springsteen and Scott were tried separately for the yogurt shop killings and were both found guilty of capital murder. Springsteen received the death penalty, which was possible even after the Supreme Court ruling in 1972 because the state of Texas has passed, had passed at that time a new death penalty statute, whereas Michael Scott was sentenced to 99 years in prison. So now we see them enacting a, a sentence, a trial, However, not long after their trials, uh, serious concerns were raised that suggested Springsteen and Scott may have been innocent. So who are they covering for? To start, there was no physical evidence linking either of them to the crime. So now Mm. this is all four boys have no physical evidence that link them to the crime. That is true. 
Additionally, both men said their confessions had been coerced. Mm. And there was some evidence to back up their claims. You one think the, someone's threatening them? One of the detectives on the case was transferred after he allegedly extorted confessions in an unrelated case. And a photo came to light of another member of the Austin Police Department pointing a gun at Scott's head during his interrogation. Mm. Were any Austin Police Department people investigated? I didn't come across that. Because you think about it. You said it was weird that no one reported the smoke. Yes. Maybe someone did. And they called and they asked about it. And maybe someone at the precinct picked up. Oh, it's so possible. And they conveniently ignored it because they knew about something that a friend or a colleague was doing at the mall oh for sure no i i am a hundred percent on board with that theory what is it that how many whatever percent of serial killers are ex-cops oh yeah i mean look at um uh, the golden state killer golden state, he yeah. was an ex-cop um it's I likely watched, that the, what the Zodiac i just watched was. an hbo documentary about like a young boy who was murdered and his his is actually still unsolved and once i finished it like the whole time i was watching it i'm like it's it's literally the um, the sheriff. I mm-hmm. like I'm just sitting back and watching all this. I'm like, how is no one thinking the sheriff is guilty? <laughs> literally, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So roughly 15 years after the yogurt shop killings were committed, both convictions were overturned when the courts found that they violated both Springsteen and Scott's Sixth Amendment rights to confront their accuser. Scott and Springsteen's confessions were used against one another at trial, but their lawyers were never given the opportunity to cross-examine the accuser. Hmm. As a result, it was determined their constitutional rights had been violated. So It's a lot. Yeah. The um, one wasn't executed then? Yeah, no. So they were both Ooh, like, boy. both of them are overturned, which, yeah, it's it's scary to think about death penalty in terms of the innocent. What well, if yeah, and that's why I'm against the death penalty. I'm very much against it, too, because you can have someone innocent on death row and get killed. Um, yeah, it's just not, it's ineffective. It's an ineffective tool. It's medieval. Yeah. Um, so, later in 2008, DNA testing was done on the evidence collected from the crime scene, and the male DNA found did not match Scott and Springsteen or any of the other men suspected of the crime for that matter. So, once again, like, multiple times their DNA has been tested, and it's still coming up that it's not... They're grasping at straws. Yes. Because watching as much true crime stuff as I do and listening to podcasts, communities become desperate, families mm-hmm. become outraged, and literally, the there is a ticking clock for these departments to get things solved. I think also the department knows something that they're not telling the public, and that's why they keep on trying with these boys because they're like, it it would be so good if we could just peg them for this somehow, yeah. um, to get the community off our backs and get them from looking at us internally. Yeah, because exactly. I do. Everyone loves think, a good scapegoat. I definitely think there's some shady going on i think it could be an inside um yeah so going for further the then travis county district attorney rosemary lennenberg said even though she was sure scott and springsteen were responsible for the yogurt shop murders the men would not be re-prosecuted until the unknown male connected to the dna evidence was found Mm. because you cannot connect anyone if there's no dna to back it up yeah uh, most of the authorities still believe they had the right 
four guys all along, and a that a so this is new theory. Well, not new theory, but this is another theory introduced uh, with attachment to these four boys. So they think that there is a fifth man that must have helped perpetrate the crime, explaining away the unknown DNA evidence. I mm. am a I turn that down right away. That's a stretch. It is a stretch, and they're about to like disprove it right now. They say, but the defense attorneys for Scott and Springsteen call the fifth man theory ridiculous and stress that no one ever mentioned a fifth participant under the inconvenient DNA results that came in, which I agree because I'm sorry. It's very rare that you would fall and take death row for someone. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd sell them out. Yeah. So no one, they never mentioned a fifth person ever. None of the four boys ever did during these trials. Yeah, no, I think that's now going into some more theory we have, which I think is the most interesting, is unidentified customers. Let's hmm. hear it out. Okay. So the police apparently interviewed 52 customers who visited the store on the day of the murders, but two men who uh, witnesses placed there at closing time had never been found. Hmm. Three customers who left the store just before closing said on their way out, they noticed two men sitting in a booth not looking like they were leaving anytime soon. The men may have ordered a soft drink. At least one of the customers then saw Jennifer lock the front door and put up the close so sign so no more customers would enter while her and her coworker closed up the store. The two men in the booth remained behind after all the other customers left. Hmm. Witnesses described the persons of interest as follows. One has lighter hair, maybe dirty blonde and about five foot six. In his late 20s, early 30s, the other is described as a bigger man. Both were wearing bigger coats. One had a green coat, army fatigue kind of looking jacket. The other a black jacket. To this day, neither of these men have been identified. Yeah, that or they could have been weirdos. Yeah, it's very po exactly. They like, could have been either murderous weirdos or just regular weirdos. Yeah, there's nothing to like substantially prove that they did. Yeah, either, like it's, if de it's definitely very interesting that these two men are like. The last at closing, and they, they're still there while other customers left, and they close up shop and lock the doors. So other that or they're just rude and they don't pay attention. Yeah. They're like, um, oh, you guys are closing? Oh. Or they okay. knew that's what was happening, and they were Didn't waiting for them to leave. say that under Yelp. <laughs> Yelp they have Yelp back Yelp then? Yeah, thing, no. baby. Um, on the Michelin Guide. <laughs> so basically, in the end, it is questionable if robbery was ever really the motive in the case given the small amount of money that was taken and the again there's an extreme level of violence it's hard. yeah it was maybe a side motivation yeah it's hard to like put this as like a robbery gone wrong like that would just be very much it, it just doesn't make sense um what they think is it's more likely that the crime was sexually motivated and the killers grabbed the money as an afterthought, like you mentioned before. Um, other interesting, like, ideas or kind of um, notions. One of the girls may have known the killers, or maybe Sarah and Amy were followed from the mall to the yogurt shop. That's definitely, that was my first it's thought. It's always a high probability that you know the killers. It, it happens more often than not. Yeah. Um, Regardless, from school. <laughs> true. Regardless, it's doubtful that the four boys had anything to do with the murders. Again, they mm -hmm. trusted their DNA so many times. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, the key to solving this case still to this day, it is unsolved, is linking DNA evidence found at the scene um, to the two male customers seen by witnesses lingering in the yogurt shop 
after closing, but they have yet to be found after all these years. These yeah. two I- unidentifiable, uh, unidentifying customers, um, which is really interesting. Um, and then just kind of going into the aftermath. The 1991 yogurt shop murders changed Austin forever. The then mayor at that time called the murders the crime where Austin lost its innocence. Hmm. Is that the full truth? Probably not. No, it's probably were a lot worse. No, I can't even say worse, but just, you know, grisly murders throughout history there. But during that time, um, I guess because it was like four young girls in such a brutal way. um, And in the fact that it was unsolved. And they were high school age. Yeah, not, like, there's some, a lot. Like, two of them were close to graduation type stuff. Ugh. Yeah. Um, the I Can't Believe It's Yogurt Shop became a nail salon, but a plaque remains in the parking lot under an old oak tree memorializing the four girls, Jennifer Harbison, Sarah Harbison, Amy Ayers, and Eliza Thomas, um, reminding those who passed that justice has yet to be served. Um, and just to give a little shout out, the source that I grabbed this material from, I basically almost read it directly from the site itself, was the True Crime Files, which is a blog and a podcast themselves. They do some pretty great work. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, that me. was. Shout out to them. That was a lot of detail. Yeah, they really did. They did. And like I said, they had the diagrams, they had photos, they had all this stuff. So uh, True Crime Files the real MVPs. They did all the work. I just did some silly reading and recapping of what they found. Um, but once again, this is just a, I feel like a crime case that isn't as well known and still very much. Yeah, I'd never heard of this. So Yeah. Um, what is your leading theory? I My two theories are, I either think it's the customers who have yet to be identified mm-hmm. or... I think it's someone they knew. I either think it was someone that they knew that maybe followed the younger girls, but like I don't know how they would have known that they were going to find the older girls at the yogurt shop. That other than maybe they were. That's what I'm saying. So if it was someone they knew and they knew about their plans for that night, oh, like they knew them well. Yeah. Oof, that hurts. Possible. That or I definitely think. The way it was done, it seemed meticulous and it seemed like they were hitting dead ends or they just had a lack of suspects and physical ties. I think it was someone close to or within the police department. Yeah. Or maybe the fire department who knew what kind of evidence to leave and what not to leave and how to properly mislead. Yeah. Because it happens all the time. It does. And it's gross. So that is the end of uh, the case that I... Found. Yeah, very heavy stuff. Yeah, I gotta remember to put a trigger warning in the this episode. Yes, because it is very sensitive material. And yeah, that's. Um, Ooh, I figured for I know like we did a lot of talking about that true crime, but just to kind of tie everything back together at the end of this episode, Kay and I wanted to go over. I want to say like, if we can try to at least come up with like one episode per series, both. Supernatural and true crime of well, BuzzFeed Unsolved. I made a list of my favorite episodes. Okay, perfect. I have a few too. I have like a list. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I just was... went through and I was like, oh, I really like that one. I really liked that yeah, one. Yeah, I have a list of them and I think I was just going to go into like specifics about like one from each and like what I enjoyed most about that mm-hmm. episode or something or the case itself. Yeah. yeah. So you can go first. Um. Which one are you starting with? Oh, I don't know. Cause... Do true crime. Well, I have a really long list. 
for true crime? I think most of these are true crime. Honestly. I think I only one of these or two of these are supernatural. Because I think I like more in the supernatural cases when they go to the, the yeah. locations. And half the time I can't remember what the location actually was. Yeah. They're very interesting. Mm-hmm. I made a very short list. I just did. I have three from the true crime and two from the supernatural because I wanted to keep okay, it. Okay. We'll see if I have any of the same ones. Okay. Perfect. You go first then. I just go first. List your, list your three true crime ones and I'll see if I have any of the same ones. Okay, perfect. So for the true crime in season one, the episode that um, covers the uh, murder of the Black Dahlia. I remember that episode, but I didn't put it on my list. It's just a very, I'm very interested in that case. I find it very fascinating, especially because it was a big deal within the the realm of Hollywood. Yeah, it was a very publicized. Yes. And the way in which they found her and everything. Um, The second episode I have on my list is from season five. It's the eerie case of the Watcher. I don't remember that one. Wait, no, that was the guy who sent all the weird notes, right? To that neighborhood? Yes, and it's very yes. recent. It was within, yes. within like the last decade or two. Yeah, 2012 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's very mo- much more recent. And it's, it's just weird. <laughs> it's weird and stalker. I, I'm funny. very fascinated by the concept of the stalker. Yeah, you are. It's, it's very... No, I actually I don't, don't invite him to my house. He just shows up. I don't have the capabilities, honestly. I don't, I don't have, have the, the time. time or the energy. <laughs> uh, no, but it's just a very fascinating concept. Not only like the act of stalking, but everything that follows to it's like the notes and everything that's so like meticulously yeah. planned and the um what basically the high oh, that they get from it. I guess. I think all stalkers are like cancers and Virgos. Think about it. Cancers are super emotional. They get super attached. As I was about to say, emotional attachment. Yeah. Um, Virgos, Virgo men are just awful. We've talked about this. But before. like they're meticulous and they're really devoted. Yeah. No, it's true. I, I, just saying. I check to that theory. And then my last one I have on this list that I wanted to explain a little bit about because I love this case so much. I think it's so interesting. Is from season two, The Axemen of New Orleans. I remember that one. Um, so, of course, it's featured in a season of American Horror Story as well. Oh, yeah. Um, I heard something. I don't, I don't watch American Horror Story. Long story short, I believe it's still unsolved. Yes, it is unsolved. Most of these cases are still unsolved. Yeah, I, I had to think. I'm like, name. BuzzFeed unsolved. <laughs> unsolved. So, there is this man going around swinging an axe and killing people. I'm going to start swinging. <laughs> I'm going to start swinging. <laughs> Um, the the axe man said, "I'm gonna beat a bitch up." <laughs> I'm about to beat this bitch up. <laughs> and the thing is, he kept sending things to like newspapers, and like no one took him seriously. I, there's so many that are like that. Where like that cat, they just kept they're on so, sending things. They're to so the needy. He was so needy. He's like, like it's me. Meet he, me here. And he, they just yeah, look. literally, he's a pick me boy from Twitter. He's like, pick <laughs> me. No, it is me. Um, so they finally did and he said listen y'all i'm gonna come through town on this day you all best be playing your best jazz music if i walk by a house and you're not playing jazz music (laughs) i am coming to town i I would have been horrified i would have left fucking town are you kidding yeah Triple fucking locked my door The the cool i don't know if coolest is the right word most interesting fact no one died that night 
everyone played jazz music. It was Damien Chazelle. <laughs> and if you didn't, and the thing is, if you didn't have like jazz music or anything, which was a concern for some people, they went to their local bars where they were playing it, and everyone just kind of found solace somewhere where jazz music was being played. It was literally Damien Chazelle. What year did this happen? Oh, it was really early on. It was like the early, I want to say like the early 1900s. Uh-huh. I need, it was Damien Chazelle's grandfather. His great, great something. I, like, need to look up, I need to look up the, um, while you're going off your list of um, true crime, I'm going to look up when this happened. Well, I got to remember which of these were true crime and which of them were supernatural. Like some of them I can just tell. The, the Whaley House. I want to say that's supernatural. Is Lizzie Borden supernatural? No, she's true crime. No, that's true crime. But she's just like so famous. Yeah, that's not really like a ghost. I think no. I think people automatically. Her house is probably haunted, but but it was true crime. Yes, that because uh, I want to say people automatically when they hear that story they think that I, it's one of those um, what's it called when you associate something and it turns out not to be that. A Mandela effect. That's what it kind of reminds me of, in a sense, where it's yeah. like people automatically think of ghosts when they think of it, but it's no, it's it's true crime. Like she actually did murders. Yes, um, and also the Axemen of New Orleans was nineteen eighteen, nineteen nineteen. Yeah. Okay. Um, there was the boy in the box. That's it. That That's was good really one. interesting. Um, the murders at Keddy Cabin. That one was super intriguing. Okay, because of like the relationship that dynamics was... going on there. If I didn't do the yogurt shop murders and the other ones, I was thinking the Keddy Cabin murders was actually the other one I had pulled up on like my my Google um, mm. tabs that I was doing research for, and that was gonna be my second choice. It's a very, it's like frustrating. It is. It's just it's so weird to mm-hmm. it just yeah. Um, the Gardner Museum heist. Which yes. was also kind of recent, it seems. It was in the nineties. Yeah. But I went to the Gardner Museum without knowing about the heist and then like they brought it up and I was like, That's weird. Where did you go? I went in like twenty seventeen. It's in Boston. Okay, that's what I thought so. Um it's a really nice museum. I mean I sucked that there was a heist. I would hope it's a nice one. Like I mean, <laughs> I don't think they would go to an old shabby mm-hmm. one with no valuable pieces. Um, the collar bomb bank robbery. Mm-hmm. That one's interesting. Um, Bobby Dunbar. Is very interesting just because of how many people, like all the twists and stuff, yeah. and how long it was drawn out and it's still unsolved all yep. those years later. Yeah. Um, Van Gogh, the the mystery of his death, mm-hmm. and I'm going to the Van Gogh like immersive interactive I'm experience so this month. I'm very excited. Um, and uh, the the Viper Room, okay. where yeah, a lot of uh, young celebrities. I was gonna say Hollywood starlets. River Phoenix, frequent. Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised you didn't have um, Poe on there in terms of like mysterious deaths. Yeah, but I think I'm pretty sold on the whole like voter thing and him being beat to death. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how it went down, which I think is fucking funny, but also kind of sad. And then my <laughs> two favorite episodes from Supernatural series. Are the probably the most the two most iconic episodes from the Supernatural series because they have been memeified and joked about so many times. Uh huh. The search for the mysterious Mothman. 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 <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. I it's, love the Mothman. It's so. I I want to go find the sound. Well, 
you know where the statue is yeah. but like i want to go visit the statue i want to go there too so i want to look like, for him i want to get mothman merch I, oh no i'm all alone in this forest i hope the mothman doesn't find me and my and come kiss me and my, and my decked out moth merch um yeah so one. that one and then uh top tier it is in within my top three of the both series all together the goat man's the bridge. goat man's bridge <laughs> hey you demon fuck <laughs> fuck you goat man this is my bridge He's like, oh, we're going right out the gate from this. <laughs> you know, they re- Ooh, I just bumped my microphone on my teeth. <laughs> they named it the Shane Madej Bridge now. He owns it now. <laughs> um, I also had that he one on my Goat list. Man up. He uh, ate him up. <laughs> ate. <laughs> um, a few of the ones that I had were The Men in Black, which was an early one, but I That's thought it was good very one. interesting. That it was well really done. Good. Yeah. Um, I also had The Goat Man's Bridge. The Roanoke Colony one was very fun. Oh, yes. Just because it's something I knew about as a kid, but never knew any also of the Also another season stuff. of American Horror Story. Yeah. God. I think, but isn't it, like, hasn't it been proven? And, like, I don't know, we just shove it under the rug that, like, there are these people who are found on this nearby island, and, like, a bunch of them are, like, half white and stuff, and they've been living, like, there forever. I and like so. The people on the island are, like, literally these people showed up at this time right after Roanoke. I believe like, so. It's them, and they're like, I don't know. So I dumb. Think, you know, we love we love mystery. We love good intrigue. Yeah, but those so those were the supernatural ones I had. I also have a compilation of some of my favorite moments. And your what? They have fantastic one-liners. They they do, and a lot of their bits are really good too. I mean, the most famous one is, "Hey there, demons, it's me, your boy." Yeah. And for a reason, it's so I always funny. For, not that I always forget, but like, it's so funny because that is so popularized. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know where it's from. I mean, I do, so I don't care. That's all that matters. But like, no, a majority of people who like know that joke don't even know what it's from. And that's the sad part because like, if they did. Oh, you're so special because you know what it's from. I am from. so special. Because- Get a job. <laughs> You stand BuzzFeed on top. How about standing a job? How about you stand a job when I was going on this (laughs) rant about adult Olivia Rodrigo fans the other day? They're like, I was like, oh, you stand sour? You stand Olivia Rodrigo? How about you stand a job? Call them out. How about you stand a mortgage? (laughs) How about you stand a stable relationship? You can't stand any of that right now. It doesn't exist. Um, there's also a lot of these are things that Shane has said. Yeah. Because he's just such a funny man. He's Again, very witty. I think he should play, like, if there's ever a biopic, and I think there might be one about Jim Henson. Yeah, they're, they're going to do one. I think it should be played by Shane Day. I think they have the same energy, same mm. look, kind of. Um, anyway. Said, I'd love for him or Ryan to be in a biopic of, like, a true crime. Just as, like, little side characters or like the detectives. The I'd love them to be side characters for sure. Like I, I don't know who I'd want them to be, but I'd want them to be involved in one way or another. Mm. Um, friends murder each other all the time. You know, it happens. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, just wheeze in parentheses. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've connected the dots. <laughs> you haven't connected shit. I've connected them. Okay, who who is who out of the, each of us with that quote? I've connected the dots. 
I think I'm the one saying I've connected yes. the dots, and you're saying you haven't connected shit. <laughs> yeah. I've connected them. Um, this is one of my favorite moments. This is when they have the ghost box where it's like, yeah. and then it says things. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of funny things that come but up. But this that. one where Ryan goes, is there anybody here who who was here before the house was built? And it goes, spaghetti. <laughs> and he just laughs. Spaghetti. <laughs> and then um, Shane goes, is this the box of pasta? <laughs> Shane goes, tell us your name. And he goes, Apple Tater. <laughs> Apple Tater. <laughs> the, best Spaghetti? Pa- the best part of Supernatural is the ghost box itself. because I find I, it very interesting. That and like once it's turned on, their personalities come full throttle. Ryan is petrified. He like he is emanating, I want to die right now. Mm-hmm. And Shane is just always on the verge He's of just bust- like fucking with it. Yeah, busting out laughing. He finds it so funny. Or like taunting it where he's like, You can't kill me. I feel like there's definitely one time where they had the ghost box on and they were in some some type of cage and they were making like kinky jokes to like whatever <laughs> ghost was po- possibly in the vicinity. Probably. So good. Um Shane, so I met some of the most insufferable people at improv class, but they also had to meet me. Yep. That's such a good quote. Such a good line. Um, I'm probably, I kid you not, and you're going to be there to see it, so you can hold me accountable to this. In my wedding vows one day, if I, when I get, if, when I get married, I'm going to use one of their lines. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about them in my vows. Demon? Hey man. Hey man. Um, and then there was a time that Shane laid out a pentagram and he went rock, rock and roll, buckaroo. Yep. Um, anyway, those are all my quotes. Um, you need to watch Puppet History. I've watched some of it. I know. I need to really get into it. <laughs> it's it's good. There's lore. I know. Now I know. there's lore, and I think there's a few episodes I've missed that they put out recently. I gotta watch them. I like just haven't had time. But now I'm going to make time because I love them. I would love to say I'm going to make time for um, puppet history. However, I am eventually. I'm going to get around to like watching more of it and getting into it. But like I am just, I'm always on that unsolved kick. Especially because I I heavily watched, rewatched some episodes and not others. But I need to get a lot to all the episodes. I think there's probably one or two that I've missed. Also, the other shows that they put out on Watcher, I definitely yeah. want to check out as well. Like, there's I... w- the one where they go to places like in LA and stuff, and like it's all like food stuff. They went to this pie place, and it's a pretty famous pie shop, I think. Uh, but oh my god, I gotta go to that place next time I'm in LA because they have this like Earl Grey pie. It's LA. It's LA. <laughs> and it looks so goddamn good. Anyway. You that is like your your aura, an Earl Grey pie. I'm gonna take that as a compliment. It is. Oh, that's like so you. I love Earl Grey. I love pie. Who's to say I wouldn't love an Earl Grey pie? Like you kicking it back with Phoebe, eating an Earl Grey pie. Bridgers. Yeah, <laughs> it, I see it. Farbs. Farbs. Calling all farbs. Talking about like a script that you're writing and you want her to be involved in the project. For She's sure. already involved with my pilot, whether she knows it or not. Isn't that beautiful? Since I've read your pilot, who would she play? 
Well, she wouldn't play anyone. Oh, she would do the soundtrack. Oh, okay. So you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't have her act? All right. I see. No. She's not an actress. Got to play to your strengths, baby. You don't know that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't play a part in my pilot. I don't act. Yeah. Come on. Come on now. Well, come on now. Um. Anyway. So that's. That is that. The end of this episode. I feel like this episode was really cathartic for me. You, you've been wanting to talk about crime and true crime yeah. since we started this podcast. I, I mean, this I, was my way to allow you to do that. Thank, thanks, mom. Now I, you got to let me talk about vampires. Oh, Ooh, maybe that should be our next episode. I think it's. What do you mean? Let you talk? I am more than willing to talk about vampires. Okay, next episode is vampires. You're, I'm saying it right here, right now. We're manifesting it. It's happening. Mm-hmm. Vampire media. Vampire media, baby. Real. Um, yeah. So make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rage of the Pod. Email us at Rage of the Pod at gmail Especially if you want to send us some suggestions. Some love mail, some hate mail. If you're Reeve Carney and you've taken us up on our invitation. Reeve Carney, we will <laughs> always talk about you here. Every every few episodes, we're just going to bring your name up. And, I and haven't mentioned Bill Hader in a while. You haven't. Wait, wait, I feel like you mentioned him recently on social, though, at least. Or it, maybe, was his, it was his birthday yesterday. Or was birthday. I just reading one of your old letterbox reviews? That's very possible, too. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um... The end of this podcast will remain unsolved. I wish I could put in their music at the end. The ding, 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 ding. It really pulls me in. It gives me the chills when I start to hear that. I'm like, oh. Oh, does it? Like, I'm just like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Like, that that could put me to sleep, but not in a bad way. In a way, like, I'm getting ready for bed. I'm feeling soothed. I've definitely fallen asleep while watching BuzzFeed Unsolved. It's and soothing. it's bad. <laughs> Anything true crime to me is just, ah. Uh, You're sick. I am. Um. Anyway, I've been Kay. I've been Craig. And, and go, go watch, watch a goddamn, goddamn movie. movie or solve an unsolved crime. Do that. Yes. All right. Bye, Goodbye, guys. Bye, everyone. Future Kay is wrapping up the entire podcast by herself by saying, "Can you believe I was right about that Loki thing?" I can. Anyway. Bye.